Before we get to today's episode, I want to ask you guys for a big favor. Go ahead and follow or subscribe and leave a rating or review on this podcast. It goes a long way. It helps people find the show and it lets us know that we're doing something right. Okay, on to today's episode. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. Hey, hey, JD here. Welcome to the show. Today, I want to talk to you guys about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. My favorite, my favorite childhood television show. Maybe it was yours. But I want to talk also about the guy behind it, Haim Saban, who made $1.5 billion off that show and continues to make money off that show today. This is an amazing story. And I'm going to talk to you about Haim Saban, the founder, the entrepreneur extraordinaire, the media titan, the man who did so many impressive things. I'll talk about him. And then I also want to talk specifically about the Power Rangers and some really cool things that Haim did when he brought that show to America, when he pitched that show to Hollywood studios, when he produced that show, when he filmed that show. It's such a cool story and a case study in how you do something scrappy, but make it look polished and five-star because that's what the Power Rangers was to me as a kid and I'm sure to so many others. So we'll get to the Power Rangers in a minute. Let's start with a backstory on Haim Saban and who this man is. So Haim Saban grew up with very little money and a ton of ambition. He was born in Alexandria, Egypt. His family moved to Israel because he was a refugee, grew up very, very poor there, and joined the Israeli Defense Forces, served in the army, and eventually enters the music business as a bass player. So he's a performer. He is really, really bad, doesn't do very well in the band, but realizes he has a knack for the business side of it. Becomes a manager, becomes a music promoter, putting on concerts, does well on the outside, but because of a whole bunch of factors that have nothing to do with him, the Yom Kippur War and the falling Israeli shekel and just a whole bunch of economic problems, winds up very, very badly in the hole. I think he wound up like $600,000 in the hole, leaves Israel, moves to France, starts to become a record producer in France and does really well. And I don't have a lot of information on this part of his backstory. I'm also not that interested in it. So I'm going to fast forward to Haim Saban moves to LA. And he moves to LA, I guess, to continue his music career, which was doing well in Europe as a music promoter and producer. But in LA, he has his first big discovery that I found where he goes totally against the grain. And that is he discovers the music business for cartoons. So here's the interesting thing about television music. If you are doing music for a sitcom, let's say it's a big hit sitcom, right? Like it's Friends or it's Seinfeld or whatever. I haven't watched a sitcom in 20 years, so I don't know. But if you're doing music for a sitcom, you are getting paid on the minutes of music that run throughout the show. So let's say it's two to three or four minutes of music in a sitcom. You have a sting here and there. You've got you know five seconds here, four seconds here, eight seconds there. But it's not a lot of music. 
Whereas in a cartoon, a kid's cartoon, you have music playing the entire episode, right? Because think about it. If you're doing a show, like think about a Bugs Bunny type show, there's music playing the entire time, right? And so he realized through just doing some basic research that he can make a lot of money producing music for cartoons. So he does just that. And all of a sudden, he's making a fortune in cartoon music. And the funny thing is, people look at him and think he's maybe not doing that well, or he is a failed musician, a failed music producer. So he succumbed to the lowest common denominator. He's making music for cartoons. And in reality, he's making money hand over fist. He's doing extremely well. I think at one point, he had multiple six, seven, eight studios running simultaneously, making music for cartoons. And he is doing great. Fast forward to 1984, and Haim Saban is in Japan. And he stumbles upon a TV show, a local Japanese TV show featuring kids in spandex beating up on monsters. And he sees this, and it's really campy, and it's really cheesy, but it's a lot of fun. And he thinks, you know, this would do really well in America. I think U.S. kids would like this show. It's very different from what's on TV right now. This is 1984. So he gets the rights to the show, and he writes a script, and he is pitching this script to Hollywood Studios for eight years. For eight years, he's going around, he's pitching this, hey, you got to do this show. It's going to be super cool. It was called The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And nobody wanted to pick it up. They felt bad for him. Again, here's a guy, failed music industry guy, failed cartoon guy. Now he's pitching this show. He's pathetic. People do not think highly of him. This is how Himes describes it. Finally, the show gets picked up by Fox Kids Network for an eight-week run. And it's really not looking good. The executive that picked it up is sort of going against the grain. None of the top brass at Fox have believed in this show. The affiliates who are going to air it across the country, they see it. They say, what are you guys doing? This is a joke. Like This is terrible. So they actually aired it in the summer months early in the morning. So this is not prime time by any means. This is summer. And this is like early morning TV viewing on a Saturday. They wanted to just get it out the door, see what happened. They got it for an eight-week run, and nobody has high hopes for any of this. And of course, you guys know how this story is going to go. It runs for eight weeks, and immediately in week one, it is an absolute monster hit. It debuts in 1993, and it is a hit. They reorder it, and it catapults Haim Saban to a brand new level. Okay, Power Rangers is a hit. And the head of Fox, Rupert Murdoch, wants to buy Hyam's entire company. He wants to acquire the company because he thinks it'll give him a foothold into the global kids' TV business. But Hyam Saban doesn't want to sell. He's not up for it. He says, I'll give you one better. What if I throw Saban Entertainment, which of course has the Power Rangers, I assume it had a few more pieces of IP at this time as well. What if I throw Saban Entertainment into a company? You throw the Fox Kids Network into that same company, and we'll be partners in this new entity called Fox Kids Worldwide. And I'm sure they negotiated long and hard over it. And eventually, Rupert Murdoch says, okay, let's do it. And now Haim Saban has leveraged his position as a TV, as first a music producer, 
and then a TV producer into the owner, co-owner of a television network. Quick break here while I tell you about something really exciting I've been working on called the Business Essentials Kit. Here's the deal. I get asked all the time, John, how do you run your business effectively? What's the best way to build a website? How do I get a branded email? How do I save on legal fees? How do I manage my social media? So what I've done is I've put a kit together for you for free. You can download it at johndavids.com with all the tools and services that I use to run my business. Get it right now for free at johndavids.com. This is getting pretty big. Okay. Then he gets the idea, we have to get bigger because there's other players out there, Disney's out there, a lot of other folks, Warner Bros. So we got to get bigger. So he negotiates a deal to buy the family channel. And this is a network that's owned by another company. And I know there's some story around the negotiation. I don't have details around that. But through whatever means, he actually gets the family channel. And that's now part of the Fox Kids Worldwide Network. And they grow it. And at a certain point in the future, they decide, you know what? We can't compete with these global behemoths, Disney in particular. And so they orchestrate a sale to Disney and they acquire Fox Kids Worldwide for $5.3 billion. This is in the early 2000s. And Haim's share of the sale is $1.5 billion. This poor boy from Israel who grew up with very little money is now a billionaire. All right, a few takeaways from Haim Saban's life. And then I want to get a little more deep into the Power Rangers and talk about a couple cool findings on how he did this. So the first big takeaway is that I really like how Haim focused on the unsexy stuff. You know, I love the idea that he got to Hollywood, got to this city of glitz and glamour in the 1970s, and he could have been swayed and pulled into the music business. I want to be a pop star. I want to be producing rock stars. But instead, he gets into the cartoon business. And think about what that must have been like, especially because by his peers, they're looking at it and they're thinking, this guy's a failure. He knows from the inside, this is an absolute cash printing machine. And these days, we call these boring businesses. Now, mind you, I don't think cartoons are that boring. I think they're a lot of fun. But it's boring compared to what other people were doing, right? Pop stars, rock producers, that sort of thing. I think it's so easy to look at how you might be judged by other people and make decisions based on that, which really might not be in your best interest. And Haim didn't do that. He said, I don't care what other people think of what I'm doing. I'm going to do this, and it's going to be a massive success. And I'm going to make money hand over fist. And he went ahead and produced, I think, I guess his biggest theme he produced was the music to Inspector Gadget. You guys all know Inspector Gadget. That was his music. And go back and watch an episode on YouTube. You'll see there is music playing from start to finish. And Haim Saban was getting paid for every single minute. Another thing I want to mention is that he was always ready for opportunity. In the story of how he became a concert promoter and a record producer, and then, of course, a cartoon music producer. And then, of course, the story of the Power Rangers and how he took the opportunity to do a deal with Rupert Murdoch to create the Fox Kids Worldwide Network. And then he actually sold Fox Kids Worldwide to Disney. This guy came across opportunity so many times, and he never let major opportunity go to waste. And that's so important. It's really interesting because people talk about getting lucky. Oh, 
you got lucky in, in this way and that way. And there's so many times where Haim Saban got lucky, but the luck could have passed him by, right? He was prepared to take advantage of that luck. He captured that luck and he capitalized on that luck. So think about all the opportunities in your life that have come and gone. And hopefully you've actually captured a few of them. But if you've let them go, if you could look back and do them over again, how would you have done those differently? And how could you do in the future something more productive and not let it slip away? So I love how he thinks about luck in a way that you actually have to go for it and capture it. All right, let's get into the Power Rangers here a little more because I love this one story. So I want you to understand that the Power Rangers was already a show. I think it was around for like 20 years. It was called something else in Japan and it had Japanese actors. And if you guys have never seen Power Rangers, go to YouTube, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Look at the original. I mean, it's been remade so many times now, different types of Power Rangers. But look at the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. That show was already on the air in Japan. And probably 75, 80% of every episode is these actors, these characters in costume. And the Power Rangers costumes, they have helmets on covering their entire face. You can't see anything, can't see their eyes, can't see any piece of their skin. They're fully covered up. And that was a really, really important point of how Haim was able to get it off the ground and make the show for not a lot of money. When he purchased the rights to the Japanese version of the show for America, he got all the footage. And when he was in America making the show in the 90s, he would actually use the fight scenes, use most of the footage that was already filmed for the fight scenes in the new episodes. So here's how he would do the show. The 20% of the show that required American teenagers and American actors playing parts, he would film those as new, new footage and make a show out of that. And then the rest of the show, the 80% where they're in costume and especially where they're fighting and those fight scenes cost a lot of money because you have to have explosions and smoke and punching and all kinds of orchestrated fighting. That was all already filmed. And those are Japanese performers doing all of that. It's funny. Early in the show, I remember this from watching it, a lot of the performers that are unmasked, because most of them are fully costumed, but a few of them aren't fully costumed. And I think from memory, a lot of them are Japanese. They're Asian. And I'm just thinking back now as I'm talking, yeah, of course, because that was already filmed. I'm imagining everything that could be reused was reused. And so when you already have the show made, and then of course you have to dub over the Japanese language, you have to dub in English. So there's dubbing that happens, but you don't need to reshoot anything. I love this. I love the fact that he filmed it and reused the footage. I mean, that's just brilliant. And there are other ways that he utilized the show. I mean, the biggest way was he actually took the IP and made that the main asset that he contributed to Fox Kids Worldwide. So, I mean, this guy skinned every inch he could of the Power Rangers and made it an asset bigger and bigger and bigger. This is something else that just came to mind. Really great entrepreneurs are able to look at an asset that looks like nothing to somebody else, not even an asset, look at a thing and turn it into an asset. This is what real estate is all about. This is what Buying a failing company and turning it around is all about. It's what buying a successful company and making it way more successful is all about. 
It's what any kind of entrepreneurship is about. When you take nothing and turn it into something, and in this case, Heinz Saban saw this show that was in Japan and took it and made all kinds of value, literally billions and billions of dollars in value out of this asset that existed, that anybody could have taken and done this with. He was the one who created all the value. And I love it. That's the story of Haim Saban. That's the story of the Power Rangers. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Get me on Twitter at RealJohnDavids, R-E-A-L-J-O-N-D-A-V-I-D-S. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. Get me at JohnDavids.com. And I'll see you guys next time.